Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And with the help of the Lord, we'll consider today Philippians 1, the verses 3 through 5. And there the Apostle Paul writes these words, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his holy word to our hearts. Dear friends, when you are required to perform a difficult task, whether that be at home, at work, or in the church, it's always good to have a partner, someone who can help you. A partner stands beside you. He or she can offer assistance and advice, support and encouragement. And that's especially true when it comes to spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in dark times spiritually. The forces of evil that are allied against us as believers in Christ are very powerful, especially here in Canada. And what is more, for whatever reason, most of our fellow men are hostile to Christianity and to religion in general. It's not easy to share the gospel with people today. But it becomes much easier when we have a partner. Paul speaks of this in the words of our text, Philippians 1 the verses 3 through 5, which we read earlier. In these verses, the Apostle Paul acknowledges and gives thanks for the Philippians' fellowship, or we could say partnership, in the gospel. He writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship or partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So as Paul traveled near and far across the entire Roman Empire preaching the gospel, he was not alone. He had a partner. Now to be sure, he had Silas and Timothy and Luke and other helpers along the way, but he also had an entire congregation, and that was the church at Philippi. They were his partners in the gospel. With the help of the Lord, let's consider the words of our text under this theme, the Philippians, Paul's partners in the gospel. And we'll consider, first of all, the reasons for this partnership, and secondly, the response to this partnership. So Paul, in our text, acknowledges the Philippians' fellowship in the gospel. Now, that word fellowship is a very important word. It appears several times in other places in this letter. In chapter 2, verse 1, Paul speaks of the fellowship of the Spirit. And again, in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul refers to a fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. Well, here again in our text, Paul speaks of fellowship, only this time it is a fellowship in the gospel. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, first of all, let's consider what is meant by the word fellowship. Today, the word fellowship is hardly indistinguishable from the word socialize, at least not the way Christians today use it. It refers to little more than what takes place when 
Usually Christian friends gather together over a cup of coffee. We had some great fellowship, we say. But fellowship, biblically defined, is more than just socializing with other believers and having a nice time together. The word in the Greek is koinonia. And koinonia is a sharing and a participating in and a devotion to a common cause. Let me give you an illustration. In England, universities are divided up into smaller schools called colleges. And each of these colleges is governed by the professors of the college who are called fellows. They're called fellows because they share and participate in and are devoted to a common cause, namely the proper functioning and promotion of the interests of the college to which they belong. Well, such was also the case with the Philippians. They were fellows. They were partners with Paul in the gospel. And that means they shared and participated in and were devoted to the cause of the gospel. So much so, in fact, that they were prepared to make sacrifices in order to advance that cause. Now what is more, Paul says they were partners from the first day until now, meaning from the time of their conversion until the present time. Now this manifested itself in different ways. First of all, it manifested itself in their practical care for Paul and his co-workers. Remember, what did Lydia do as soon as the Lord opened her heart to receive the gospel? Well, she invited Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy to come into her house and to enjoy her hospitality. Similarly, what did the jailer do after he repented and believed? Well, he too invited Paul and Silas into his home, where he washed their stripes and set food before them. By doing these things, Lydia and the jailer demonstrated that they were fellows. They were participants, partners in the gospel. They did what they could to further advance the cause of the gospel in Philippi. Secondly, their partnership with Paul was manifested also in their prayers for him. Paul makes reference to this in chapter 1, verse 19. There he says, For I know that this, and he's talking there about his arrest and his imprisonment, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now notice here, Paul says that if he was ever going to be released, it would be through the prayers of the Philippians. Their prayers demonstrated their partnership in the gospel. Thirdly, their partnership with Paul was manifested in their willingness to suffer. Again in chapter 1, verse 29 and 30, Paul observes that the Philippians were, and I quote, granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You'll notice that suffering for Christ was granted to them, like it was some kind of privilege, which it was. But the point is, their willingness to suffer for Christ was a further demonstration of their partnership in the gospel. Fourthly, their partnership with Paul was manifested in their monetary gifts to him. In fact, this is probably what Paul primarily had in mind here. 
We know that several times the church at Philippi sent a gift to support Paul in his material needs. First, when he was in Thessalonica, and then again when he was in Corinth. And most recently, they sent him a gift while he was in Rome under house arrest. And it had been delivered personally by Epaphroditus, one of the leaders of the church. And we learn more about that in the next chapter. In all of these ways, and perhaps even more, the Philippians demonstrated that they were partners with Paul and the other apostles in the gospel of Christ. Now, why is this? Why were the Philippians willing to make such sacrifices for the cause of the gospel? Well, Paul doesn't say in so many words, but there are at least two possible reasons. First of all, they did so out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Philippians realized that they owed the Lord Jesus very much. He had suffered and died for their sins. He had called them out of darkness into the light of the gospel through the preaching of the Apostle Paul. He had delivered them from eternal destruction and given them the gift of eternal life. How could they not become partners in the spread of the gospel? It was the very least they could do to demonstrate their gratitude to him and their love for him. And isn't that true for every believer still today? When the Lord does a work of grace in our hearts, a change comes over us. We no longer seek to advance our own interests, but rather the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we love and serve. And that means we devote all of our time, our energy, our finances to the work of his kingdom, both locally and around the world. My friend, is that true for you today? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ like that? And does that manifest itself in your support for and interest in the work of his kingdom? But another reason why the Philippians were so devoted to the cause of the gospel was because they loved their fellow men. They not only loved Christ, but they loved their fellow men as well. And they understood that unless their fellow men came to faith and repentance in Christ, they would surely perish in their sins. Now, to be sure, they could not all become missionaries like the Apostle Paul. Many of them had jobs and families to look after. But they could support those who could do this work, like Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke. And so they became partners in the gospel. And in that way, they showed their love and concern for their fellow men. My friend, again, let me ask you, is that true for you? Do you also have a love for the souls of your fellow man? And if so, does that show itself in your support for and interest in the work of Christ's kingdom? In Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22, the Apostle Paul describes the position of believers in Christ. And he says, and I quote, We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Paul here portrays believers as a building, as the temple of God. The foundation of the building consists of the apostles, and the cornerstone of the building is Christ. And just as a building rests on its foundation, and especially on the cornerstone, so the church of Christ rests on the apostles and Christ. And the point is that all the parts of the building work together for one cause, and that is namely the propagation of the gospel. And so it should be in the church of Christ everywhere. 
It should not be that the minister or the elders do everything. Also, not when it comes to spreading the gospel. The congregation, as well as the leadership, should all be working together for this one common cause. Now, the Philippians were a case in point. As those who were saved through the gospel, they had become partners in the gospel. They were not on the front lines. The Apostle Paul was, but they themselves were in the rear, but they generously supported those who were on the front lines. My friend, again, is that true for you? In order to become a partner in the gospel, you must first experience and respond to this gospel yourself personally. Have you done so? To be sure, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He has to open our eyes to see the value and the importance of the gospel, but it is also our responsibility. For we hear the gospel presented every week, but what impact has it had on you? Has it caused you to see your sin and your need for a Savior? Has it led you to this Savior? And are you looking to him and his atoning work on the cross as the only hope and ground of your salvation? And has that in turn led you to become a partner in the gospel of Christ? Oh, how terrible it is to have heard this gospel preached so many times and yet not to have responded to it or to become a partner in it. And therefore, if you are not a partner with Christ in the gospel, I urge you to come to Christ today. He's always looking for partners, that he will take you on as well. And if you serve him faithfully, you will receive the reward of everlasting life. So the Philippians were Paul's partners in the gospel. Needless to say, this made Paul very thankful and very joyful. And that brings us to our second point. As Paul thought about the Philippians and their partnership in the gospel, he was very, very thankful. And he writes in our text, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul here is giving us a glimpse into his prayer life. He allows us, as it were, to hear him praying to God in the privacy of his room. And he tells us that when he thinks of the congregation of Philippi and their fellowship in the gospel, that his heart wells up with thanksgiving to God. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now you notice that Paul's prayers include thanksgiving. That's an important point to remember. Because so often our prayers are nothing more than a long list of petitions things that we want God to do for us. But my friends, prayer should include much more than just petitions. It should also include praise and confession and thanksgiving. And Paul's prayers are good examples of this. Before he asked God for anything, he first of all usually thanked him for what he had already given him. And in this case, he thanked God for the Philippians, and in particular for their fellowship in the gospel. Notice, secondly, that he thanks God. Paul doesn't take any credit for their fellowship for himself, nor does he credit the Philippians. He gives all the credit and therefore all the glory to God. Why? Because he is the one who brought them into this fellowship. Apart from him, they would still be in darkness worshiping idols and living for the world and the things of the world. 
But God in his grace had mercy on them. He called them out of darkness into the light of the gospel and even brought them into fellowship of the gospel with the apostle Paul. And Paul knew this, and therefore he gave thanks to God. Thirdly, notice that he does not thank just God or even our God, but rather he says, my God. He does the same later on in this epistle. In chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says this, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, he uses that same phraseology here in our text. He addresses God as my God. Now, there's something very striking about that. As a former Pharisee, Paul would never have prayed like this. You may remember that the Pharisee in the parable prayed, God, not my God, but God, I thank you that I am not like other men. So the Pharisee addressed God simply as God, which is informal, somewhat distant. But Paul addresses God as my God. And that word my speaks of of intimacy, of, of personal intimacy, of closeness. And that's because through faith in Christ, Paul had a deep personal relationship with this God. And this is exactly what God intended. Already in the Old Testament, God declared, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he said to Mary Magdalene, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Now we see the expression of that here in our text. In Christ, God is not distant He is not far removed from us. He has come near to us. He has entered into a deep personal relationship with those who believe on his Son. And Paul knows this. And that's why he addresses God as my God. Fourthly, you notice how he gives God thanks for every remembrance of the Philippians. In other words, every time he thought of them and prayed for them, which was often, He gave God thanks. Now, Paul normally gave thanks to God for every church he wrote to. There was only one exception to that, and that was the church at Galatia. But that's because the Galatians were departing from the truth. But in all other cases, Paul gave thanks. And in doing so, Paul was not simply currying the favor of the churches he was writing to. No, he was not simply stoking their ego. He wasn't just glossing over their imperfections. Paul knew full well that none of the churches he wrote to were perfect, including the church at Philippi. For as we've seen, there were some ugly divisions in this church. And yet, in spite of their shortcomings, and in spite of their sins and imperfections, he gave thanks. Because in every church, there's something to be thankful for. And that includes also the churches where you and I belong. The church is never perfect. It will never be perfect, not at least on this earth. But there's always something to be thankful for. For after all, do we not hear the faithful preaching of the word of God? Do we not have faithful office bearers who care for our souls and who devote many hours 
for the well-being of the church. And are there not others who often work behind the scenes, often without receiving any thanks or recognition for their efforts? Oh, how we need to take instruction from the Apostle Paul. None of the churches that he wrote to were perfect. And yet the first thing he does in all of his letters is he give is he gives God thanks. My friends, do you and do I do the same? But thanks was not Paul's only response to the Philippians' fellowship in the gospel. His other response was joy. He writes in our text, Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Now here Paul gives us yet another glimpse into his personal prayer life. We learn here that Paul often prayed for the churches which he had planted, including the church at Philippi. In fact, he says, he prayed for this church always in every prayer. What is more, he prayed for all of the members of the church. Not just the ones he felt close to, not just the ones he had a personal connection to, but also the ones he did not feel close to. Not just the ones he agreed with, or who agreed with him on certain issues, but also the ones who disagreed with him on certain issues. He prayed for them all, he says. And he did so with joy. Now this is the first of over a dozen mentions of the word joy, or similar words, in this epistle. And due to the fact that this word is used many times, some have argued that this is what this epistle is about. It's about joy. Now, while that's debatable, it cannot be denied that Paul was full of joy when he thought about the congregation of Philippi, and that in turn was reflected in his prayers for them. And I wonder, dear friends, is that also true for you? When you pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, You pray for your church. Do you do so with joy? I know that's not always easy to do. And that's because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ will do and say things that make it hard for us to rejoice over them. And that's sometimes putting it mildly. Rather than rejoice over them, we sometimes get frustrated and even angry with them. Sometimes that's understandable and even justified. But Paul shows us a better way. When he prayed for the Philippians, he did so with joy. Yes, but someone says that congregation was almost perfect, it seems. It's always easy to love a congregation and be joyful over a congregation that's almost perfect. But my friends, is that the case? It is true the congregation of Philippi was not like some of the churches in Galatia which had departed from the truth of the word of God, nor was it like the church at Corinth that had so many problems. But it was hardly perfect. As I said already, there was division in this congregation. At the heart of this division were two women, Yodius and Syntyche. And this division, whatever it was about, threatened to divide the whole congregation. There were serious issues here. And yet Paul loved them. He gave thanks for them. And when he prayed for them, He did so with joy. My friend, do you do the same? When we pray for one another with thankfulness and joy, we imitate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Do you remember how the Lord Jesus prayed for his disciples on the night he was betrayed? We have a record of that prayer in John chapter 17. And there Jesus prays that his Father might keep them, he's talking about his disciples now, that he might keep them through his name, and that they may be one as he and the Father are one. And he goes on to pray that they might have his joy fulfilled in themselves, that his Father might keep them from the evil one and sanctify them by his truth, that they all may be one as the Father and the Son are one, and that they might one day be with him where he was, that they might behold the glory which he had before the foundation of the world. Now what an exalted prayer that was. And here we catch a glimpse into the prayer life, not of the Apostle Paul now, but of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest and intercessor of his people. It's a prayer that exudes warmth and love and gratitude, much like the prayer of the Apostle Paul. And that for a group of men who often prove themselves to be immature, self-serving, proud, and ignorant. Well, dear friends, if the Lord Jesus could pray for his disciples, and if he still prays for us today, who are no better than they, should not we pray for one another? Is this not what it means to be a disciple of Christ? And so Paul responded to the Philippians' fellowship in the gospel with heartfelt, joyful, and thankful prayer. Dear friends, may that also be true for each one of us. And may we, with the Apostle Paul, when praying for one another and for the church as a whole throughout the whole world, be able to say, and that in truth, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, and you, and you, always, in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Amen. Dear friends, we always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. And Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N. And that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org. If you would like to listen to the message you have just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website, at banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. That's www. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed on your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs 
of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can visit the donation section of our webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Please remember that the Lord would have his people come together to worship him. And for that reason, we urge you not to use this or any other radio program as a substitute for being an active, contributing member of a faithful, Bible-believing church. Thank you for listening. And now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.